How's it going, guys? Back again after a long while with the Full Play Pets podcast here with Elliot. And Euro 2020 just kicked off. Now, the expected favorites, France, haven't played yet. But tomorrow, they've got a crucial game against Germany. Now, Elliot, if France win this one convincingly, they might just steal this tournament, you know? But if they don't impress tomorrow, the pressure is going to be on to prove everyone wrong. So, first of all, what do you think is going to happen tomorrow? Do you think France is going to beat Germany? I don't know. It was a tough one because I, I got a funny feeling about Germany tomorrow just because everyone is expecting France to handle it easily. I don't think France is going to – I think they probably still win, but I think it's going to be a difficult win. And it's going to be one of those victories where we're, we're asking questions about France that we haven't asked before just because I think Germany has something up their sleeve. And, you know, I, I talk about this all the time. When you have a defensive midfield with Goretzka and Kimmich, I just don't know how you how you contend with that. Um, and then obviously Mueller's back in the squad, a lot of good talent there. Last well, last um, tournament of Young Game Love, they're gonna want to play, put on a good performance for him. Uh, so I think France win this, but I have I think the wild card in this match is Jamal Musiala, mm. uh, the, the the Bayern youngster. I have a feeling, and it's just a gut feeling, that he, he, will, he will be the young player of the tournament. And I think that's the, that's the key factor for Germany. Not necessarily because he's not going to be their number one option or the number two or three option. But if you can find a way to include him in a way that, is, that goes towards his strengths, I think Germany will have some issues dealing with uh, collectively what France, France is going to try to do against them. And I do think France will win, but I think there's a chance that Germany. I think there's a chance Germany can steal a point here, and if they steal a point, all the pressure's on France because people, most people think Germany will advance, but by the third place team, if they're able to either win or get a point against France, and France are has one point after match day one, I do think that it it changes France, and they're gonna they're gonna operate out of a out of, out of desperation because I think most people are expecting them to win this uh, because I think Hungary are not going to win a game in this, in this group. They're going to lose each of the games. Um, so that's three points for at least everybody. So the, the big ones that matter are going to be the, the France game and the Germany game. And if France don't get off to the best start and Germany kind of have that momentum early, it could, it could be a big, it, t- it tells a huge story about what the group is and what it's going to be um, going forward and, and things of that respect. Hey, but like, you never know. <laughs> I'm kidding. With Hungary, I think they might draw a game. But I just don't know against who. I, I don't yeah. think they're that bad. No, they're a but, good but, team. They're just, they've just been thrown in a terrible group. If they were in the group with Poland and, and Spain and Sweden, I think they would probably qualify. Um, because Even as a third place team. Yeah, I, and I think, look, the problem right now with Hungary is they don't have Dominique Slabishlai, and that's a big problem because he is the reason they qualified. Um, I, I don't remember if he was injured or he wasn't picked for whatever reasons. If he's healthy and the Hungary team, obviously with Willy Oban and Galashi from Leipzig, the goalkeeper there, I think they could pro- potentially could have finished second in the Poland group. But because they're in this group, it's just impossible. Um but again, I didn't think when I was watching the game yesterday, the Austria game, 
I didn't think North Macedonia would play that well in this tournament. And even though they lost, they played really well. And I have some suspicion that they'll get points in this tournament. So you never know. But the, the, the difficulty with Hungary is they're playing France, Germany, and Portugal. And that's a that's that's, that's it's like too much to ask. The, the reigning champion of the world, the reigning champion of Europe, and then a former both. You know, Germany has won both of these tournaments. Yeah. Honestly, and you know, it's funny. Hungary, as you mentioned, is historically an amazing team. You could argue Hungary is as good as all of them, if you think about it contextually. But we're not in those times anymore of Puskas. No, I mean, yeah, but it's, it's actually a really funny group, though, because of the storylines. So you got France, the best team in the world, the, the defending champions, um, got a chip on the shoulder. They want to win another one because of what happened in the Euro final. Then you have Portugal, probably as far as a, a young talent outside of Ronaldo. They have some of the best collected talents. They, they won the Euros last time. You have Germany, one of the, the historically great teams in modern time. And then you have... And controversial or not, then you have Hungary. Obviously, it's not the Hungary of old, but it, but in my opinion, Hungary had the greatest national team ever during the uh, you know the uh, Puskas era, and, and yeah, them in Brazil. But but I know Hungary didn't win anything, but I mean, they went on beach and for almost two years and wiped uh, away England at Wembley seven one, um, and things like and yeah, they and they. Circumstances led to them not winning the World Cup, but Puskas was not healthy during that tournament. If he's healthy, they probably win it. So they have a gold medal. So so it's interesting. You have you have Hungary, what the the, the 1954 team that is probably one of the best in history, who lost to Germany, also a team in this group. Then you have the other thing. You have France and Portugal from the last from the last Euros. So there's a lot of storylines in this group. It's going to be exciting, but I do feel for Hungary. Because they they don't they don't have their top goal scorer, they don't have the guy who brought them here, so it's I don't know I think they're going to have to do very defensive tactics, try to get a zero zero and hit hit on the counter because they don't have a lot of explosive options in the attacking position, and I think in the end that's probably going to set them back a little bit. Hungry knew their fate the moment that they were drawn. I think the best that they can do is just not lose. But try yeah. to not lose a game. That's not a good mentality. Don't get me wrong. But you can't go in thinking, we're going to beat every team. Because that is how you get humiliated. That's how you lose 4, 5, 6 nil. Like when Iceland played France at the Stade de France, they played bravely. But as a result, they got smashed 5-2. They at least scored, though. <laughs> Those people celebrated that moment. But, yeah, I, I get it. It's, it's, it's going to be almost impossible for them to... I'd like them to get a point, at least. I don't want them going out. But, again, do I think they're going to get a point? Probably not. They'll probably lose all three games. But, but I think with certain teams, you never know what's going to happen. Um, I could see them frustrating one of these teams with, uh, with the defense because I think Willie Obon is a very good defender. Um, the way he played against Rashford in the um, Champions League uh, group stage last year was tremendous. Um, so – I give them a chance to get a point, but I, I think it ends it ends there because I don't think they can get a three points out of it. But if they do, it's it's time for celebration. <laughs> you know, crack open the bottle of wine and, and celebrate because I don't think anyone's expecting them to do anything, which is why, in a weird way, they have a lot of faith and momentum 
in that because no one's expecting them to do anything. So how about we shop? Let's go shop the world. That sort of thing. That that's true. They beat Portugal tomorrow. No, I don't know if that's probably not going to happen. But no, I, it could happen. I don't know. The thing is, the the thing I would I worry about with Portugal is if if Hungary can get points, they're going to have to suffocate an attack. I think they can suffocate France's attack easier and the German attack easier. But the problem I have with the um, with Portuguese team is they have Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes, two players who who are good at 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 crossing the ball into the box in dangerous spaces. And the way to, the, the what Hungary needs to do is close down the box. And but if you're going to get a surprise cross from Bruno in the box and Ronaldo or, or Silva's on the other end, it's going to be pretty hard to stop that. Yeah. With with France, even though it's, it's almost impossible, I feel like if they play their best and Mbappe's having a bad day, it's easier for them to get a point in that game than against those than against Portugal. Portugal is probably the worst matchup for them. I think Germany and France, even though I think the French are better than everybody. Yes. From a, from like just from a strategic standpoint, it's easier to go about that game rather than you know Portugal who who can just like send balls into the box because if you get crosses into the box in that back line, it's going to be hard for them to deal with, even if Ronaldo is 36 years old. In the last World Cup, Germany were put in the group of death and finished bottom. Do you think that that can happen again? No, I, I think I think it'd be really it'd be it would be so disappointing. For one, they're playing their last tournament under the, under the coach, um, so that gives them some motivation. They finally have some young talent with Leo Arsane and Jamal Musiala and others. You have consistency with Thomas Muller, Manuel Norris still in goal. They're just too good not to be, to um, to you know make it out of the you know to at least finish third. Um, I actually think there's a possibility they could finish second, um, depending on how the Portugal game goes. Um, but you know it's it's really hard to say. But I suppose anything can happen. I'd be so happy for Hungary. If that was the case, and they could get third place, I think that would be hugely memorable for those guys. But I, I just don't see a way that Germany finishes bottom. Do you think that Sané has any... Oh, well, there's only one way to know, but Sané was not selected for the last World Cup. Yeah. He's still playing with the same coach. <clears throat> Do you think that he's going to have a point to prove in this tournament? Yeah, I think he's going to have a huge point to prove because I think... The- <clears throat> Largely, it was it was speculated that um, the reason he was not picked had nothing to do with with his um, ability. It had to do with uh, the political and what represents as as German. And I don't want to get into that conversation too much. But I think part of the reason he kind of got snubbed was for reasons that, that didn't have to do with with football. Because Leo Sané at the time was playing unbelievable football. He was the oh, best player young, at the time. Yeah, and. I think he joined Bayern for this only. I genuinely think that's the only reason he joined Bayern. It's very strong to say only because there's a million reasons to join Bayern. But Goretzka went to the World Cup. You know, he was not a Bayern player yet. Um, plenty of players, or should I say, former Bundesliga. You know, like I just feel like the German coach wanted. German-ish players, bar Mesut Ozil, bar a few players. And I feel like, in a way, Sané was the was one of those players that just didn't fit the mold, you know? Like, Joachim Lowe picked Ozil because he had a really strong connection to him. 
he nurtured him for a long time. With Sané, I feel like there was never that connection. Under Hansi Flick, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like Sané, believe it or not, this is the time to shine or else he's not going to have a good international career. Because yeah. under Flick, he's played a lot and not really impressed. And now that Flick is the new Germany coach, I feel like that's a good sign for him. But at the same time, there's a lot of pressure because it's the same guy that brought you to Bayern. Yeah, I, I think that's that's fair, but at the same time, Sonics has had some tremendous performances. The Champions League uh, round of 16 first leg against Lazio was his game. He was just unbelievable. Um, he, he was so good that Kira Mobley didn't score for two months after that game because he was so perplexed about how great Sonic played in that game. Um, and he's played in some big games. He's had moments. Uh, I believe he scored in the Dortmund game. So he scored in big games. What we need to see from him is more consistency. And I think he has everything in it. Um, as far as the reason as a lot of it, I think there's the stigma attached to Germany, England, and Italy. Italy, uh, the Italian sort of mentality, they don't want players outside of – they don't want their players outside of uh, Italy. They just don't. And I totally disagree with that. I think that sets them back because their best player is Marco Verratti. They will never, ever admit it because he's not playing in Italy for that very reason. England – Sancho wasn't even speaking of that. On on that yeah. same note, another great has joined Verratti at PSG, Gianluigi Donnarumma, who signed last week. Yeah. Do you think that he's going to lose his spot in the national team? No, because it, you can't you can't make an argument outside of that because you're not who you're going to put in there instead. Um, Sergu, uh, Merritt. Uh, you just there's just not a lot of good options there. Um, I mean, the good one would be Juan Musa, but unfortunately, he's not he's not Italian. Um, but so there's not another one you can kind of put that. But the point is, Italians don't want their players outside of Italy, which I think is stupid. I think it's it's better when you have more players abroad because they have more experience. They can bring that into the team, and it, they can become much stronger. It, uh, Premier League players for England, they don't want anyone outside the Premier League. They made an exception with Sancho. They made an exception with Jude Bellingham. Um, but there's others that those are the bench players, you know, like even then, even then they're still really harsh when they bench them. Yeah. And then obviously with Germany, they want most of the players in, in Germany, but they, they, they will take them though, because they have obviously, uh, Tony Cruz from at Real Madrid, for example, in there. And there's, there's been other players who have played outside of, but I just don't like the idea that all that, because that all the players have to play in one country. I think that's stupid. I don't think you should overlook someone because of, you know, of that aspect where you would take one player over the other because they're playing in a certain league. I think that's a dumb way to do it. Um, you look at Moise Keane not making the squad for Italy. I think it's a, I just don't understand it from any, any sense of the word. Um, but those, I think some, there's some stigma surrounding those three. And I, I would like to kill that stigma because we should encourage our players to go abroad and, and make something of themselves. Having all your talent in one league is not good for, for the federation and not good for the national team as a whole. And I think both the, 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 the brain trust around that needs to change because of what we, what we see every week in all these different leagues. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for example, when Spain won the World Cup, I think every player played in Spain, except for Fabregas. And David Silva, I believe, at the time. Yeah. Anyway. Like, I think Bar Ozil in 2014, it was the same. 
maybe there was another player that didn't play in Germany? Um, so Ozel. Close played in Lazio. That, that's the other one. And oh, yeah, that's right. And so did Mario Gomez play in Fiorentina. But the point is, like, 99% of the squad is from that country. Italy in 2006. Much different. Much different. You had Zambrotta at Barcelona. You had um, Luca Toni at... Maybe he was still at Fiorentina, but... It was, but he was about to move to Bayern, I thought. Yeah, exactly. Like, it wasn't as cutthroat as it seems like to be now. Yeah. Um, and I only... Re- I knew... That with England, this has always been the case. And I hate... It's just driving me up the wall that this is the case. But I didn't realize until recently um, that this is the case with Italy. Not because I don't know that there's a lot of other players in there. But if it came from the squad selection. And then I hear t- people try to... People discussing um, the national team. And co- coincidentally, leaving out the the their best players who are not playing in in, in, in Italy, um, Spinazzola was great against Turkey, absolutely fantastic. So all with all due respect, I think he had a great game. Uh, Roma boy, I love to see it. But Jorginho was the best player in that game, mm-hmm. and I think part of the reason why they didn't celebrate his performance is because he's at Chelsea and not Napoli. Marco Verratti is their best player, but the reason they don't celebrate him in the same way is because he's, he's in PSG, not Juventus. Moise Keane wasn't taken, I believe, because he's playing for PSG. If, if, if Moise Keane had the same exact season at Fiorentina, he would have been taken. Not only would he have been taken, he probably would be starting pretty much every game. So I, I just I, I, don't, I don't like the stigma that's attached to it. If, so it's what? Stupid. It's so dumb. It's PSG so dumb. PSG is bigger than any team in Italy. Not pretty historically, much. but pretty much right pretty now, bigger than any team. So if you can shine in this team, you can go to any national team. Right. And what people don't understand is leaving, having a big time player leaving the league and going to a different league, it's it, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have a totally different style of football, totally different teammates, totally different atmosphere and experience. Then they come back to the national team, and they're they're in the meeting rooms, and we're talking about this, and 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 then they, then you know Verratti comes in, you know I play with uh, Mbappe. Uh, at PSG, when he leans to his left, he's more exposed. So you attack him this way. I'm just speaking hypothetically. I don't know if that's the case. But now Verratti has had, because if, if they play it, uh, it drains at some point. Uh, Verratti knows most of these guys. He knows them. He knows the way they tick. He knows their weaknesses. He knows their strength. He knows how to get under their skin. Verratti has all the, the brain power in the world to help his Italian teammates. And again, so that's one situation. If you, I'm not asking for a ton. But I'd like to see 10 to 12 players, uh, national team players generally, that are in that, you know, away from the, the country that, you know, the, the national team that they play for. So I think... That's why the last, just, World Cup, the last World Cup was special. Yeah, you exactly. Have, you have Real Madrid, who had a bunch of, like, you had Rakitic at Barcelona, uh, almost like Messi. Madrid. Yeah. Well, you might, I might as well call him Messi, because that's what he was for Croatia. But he was. Real Madrid. Then you had Kovacic at Real Madrid. But... Then the attack was very diverse. He had Persich at Inter Milan. Kramer at Hoffenheim. Kramer at Hoffenheim. And then you had Rebic at uh, Frankfurt. 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 Yeah. Which eventually would become AC Milan. But those are not Croatia. You know, like I, even Subasic was at Monaco. This, right. this team was very diverse. And, and then you flip the coin. France. Pogba, Man United. Captain Mbappe, uh, PSG. Giroud, uh, Arsenal. Conte, Chelsea. I mean, uh, Kinsley Coman, like, uh, Bayern. Like you could. Oh, I think Coman missed the tournament, but you could flip a coin and like 
Matuidi at PSG. Some, some were from the French league. Yeah, and and we should be again as Italian fans, at least the friends I took to in the league I'm a part of. We should be cheering for their, them to get big moves, right? Yes. We all if, okay. If you're not if you're not a Juventus fan, you should not want Locatelli to be in the league anymore. You should want him to go to Man City because it's better for everyone if that happens. If Barella hits the market in two three years time right now. Unless you're an Inter fan, you should want him to go to Man United, want him to go to Chelsea, want him to go to, you know, City. Um, you know, I mean, Danielle, Danielle most certainly does not want him to leave. She, no, no. Danielle does never want him to leave. But the, the difference, if you're not a fan of Inter Milan, you should, you should want a player like that to go abroad if it helps the national. Again, Danielle's a fan of the Swiss national team, so she doesn't care. I, I mean, <laughs> not in the same way. But if you're a fan of the Italian national team, you should want moves like this to happen. Another like example, like, 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 yeah, exactly. Um, wait, sorry. Go ahead. Like when Pulisic left Borussia Dortmund to go to Chelsea, which you can argue, I mean, before this Champions League, it looked like a not that big of a move. But now, looking back at it, at least in terms of marketing, it opened the door for American players to be recognized worldwide. Yeah, like and again. Guys, He's had moments in the Champions League this season. He's not had a great season. Last season he was really was was a little hit and miss too, but came out late. Um, but I, him just being here is going to open the doors for. I heard I heard uh, that uh, uh, who, who was it? Um, or Chelsea or somebody? Not Chelsea. Somebody was interested in Tyler Adams. He's not. That's not happening if Christian's not there. So from a marketing point, you have to think about the big viewership in the U.S. and the Premier League. It clicks. That's why. That's why it's so important. Um, but you all should also always want to have your top players. Bastoni is one that I, I think should eventually leave. Go to. I'd love to see him go to Man United at, yeah. at one point. And that should be. Yeah, that would be great for the whole thing of Italy. I, I've never stood. I never understood the idea that you have to stay in the league together. All the time. So you have no experience outside of Italy. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think a lot of people don't see that. That's why Jorginho, Verratti, Moiskin um, gets disrespected constantly. And so does um, Grafo, who plays for Freiburg, who's who's done enough. Not not maybe not this world, this, this tournament, but the previous uh, um, tournament when he was at Freiburg doing well, deserves at least a look. And, uh, and again, if he plays for Fiorentina or Udinese or Sassuolo, he's getting at least a look into this team. And I think it's all based on the fact that they, he doesn't play in Italy and things like that. So, I don't know. It's a frustration, but it's a battle with, with England as well. And, and it is uh, with Germany to a certain respect as well. And this tournament is huge. But it's got me thinking about the World Cup in two years' time. Actually, should I say it's only next year? Wow. I think it's that- this is basically the World Cup. <laughs> exactly. The World Cup will be the Euros part two, only at a bigger stage with a bigger prize at hand. Like when you win the World Cup, you're remembered forever. Um, yeah. If France were to win it a second time, in my heart, I would know that they're better than the Spain that I watched. Do you think they're better or more successful? If that happens? More successful. More successful. Better? I, I, don't I don't think so. But, but like, <laughs> I could. If Mbappe does that, He's in the GOAT conversation already. Not even based on skill, just based on accomplishments. Yeah. Because I, lo- I looked at a stat, and it was the first time in football history, bar the 91 goals from Messi, 
where I was just struck by a stat. Pele won two World Cups at the age of 22. Yeah. <laughs> two World Cups. That means that he had eight years of football, at least, at the highest level. And he'd won two yeah. World Cups. One of them, which was he, was he was injured, don't get me wrong, but still, you got to be in it to win it. And if you're qualified for the team at 22, you got to be a great player. Um, yeah. That, 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 that's why the Euros are so important. It's a dress rehearsal for the World Cup. And I think, again, I'm guessing another European team is going to win it for a long time. Brazil's the only South American team that I really think could, has any chance of winning the World Cup. I think so, and, and I think that's going to be the case for, for a number of years. Saw Argentina play today. Wasn't overly impressed. Um, other than that crazy free kick Messi scored. But um, but it, it just it is it, – the Euros are everything. And which is why when, when, when the Euros happen, I look at the teams that get knocked out uh, prematurely. Not like early, but like make the quarterfinals. I look at that because then I'm looking at the team where they are now, where they're going to be next year. And – and whether they're going to be good enough at that point to take down France or um, Portugal, which I think will be the two top favorites in the next World Cup with Brazil. Um, I think the next World Cup will have a lot to do with injuries. Like, I don't think Sergio Ramos should retire from the Spain team. I think this is a stupid decision from Luis Enrique, but that's because of injuries. He just doesn't think Ramos is fit enough for the tournament. Talent-wise, yes, he, he Ramos is error-prone. Ramos is aging. Ramos is losing pace. I agree with all those things. But you got to bring him, you know? He didn't bring him because he was not fit enough. It's like when Robin was selected for the 2010 World Cup, do you know that he missed the first game because he was not match fit? Yeah. But That's crazy. But he played the whole tournament. And you would have never known that. But the, the coach was genius. The coach was intelligent very, very good. I honestly don't know why he's not still the coach. But anyways, that's a good coach. A bad coach is one that doesn't even take the star. Like, in my opinion, Ramos would have been a good morale booster. But because Ramos has so much power in the national team, they don't like that. They like the, the coaches to have more power. Even Florentino Perez is oftentimes getting in scuffles with Ramos at Real Madrid. Because the players listen more to him and to Zidane than to Perez or to the hierarchy. Yeah, and the Ramos thing is bad because, you know, I, I just don't – I think that's a bad decision. But it's a lot of the decisions that were made, you know, with the Spain national team. Um, he brought Adama Traore, who has four goals this season, and left a 17-goal scorer in Moriel at home. And there were other ones that also were left home. And my, he's role, still my role is the one that bothers me because those are not goals in, in the La Liga, which I'll, I'll be honest with you, they're not that impressive. And they'll take Iago Aspas. Mayoral scored goals in Serie A. When Cristiano Ronaldo, who scored a bunch of goals, don't get me wrong, is having, is complaining, basically, of how tough the defense is. And you've got another Spanish striker who can score goals in the same league. You don't take him? That's stupid. Yeah, plus like seven, 17 goals, seven assists, top score, second top score in the Europa League. I mean, I, I don't want to make this about Roma, but this is – why would you take a four-goal uh, – Look, it's a consensus among my Premier League that Traore Adama is not very good. He's he, overrated. He's he doesn't offer that much. So if they're telling me that, I believe them. I watch the Premier League, but they, they know more than me, just how, just like I know more Serie A than they do. So I, when, I, when they tell me things, I, I listen to them. I don't always agree with them. But just stick, I just, every time I've seen him play, nothing special. 
Moriel scored, and I, I think I have this right. It took him less games in Syria to score than Ronaldo. And again, he's not better than Ronaldo, but as far as starts, so Ronaldo had six starts and scored in six. I think Moriel, if I have this right, scored in his second or third game as a starter. Not off the bench, but as a starter, he scored in three games, I think. Um, he's got, he had, I think, two or three games a season where he had a, a brace, and he scored one of the best goals in the season, uh, best goal in Syria this season, uh, the long strike against Crotone. So, I don't know. I, I just, I just, it, it, if the criteria is based on the season you just had, Moriel, more, more, I mean, Moriel qualifies for, for the criteria because he had 17. Even, I take him before Morata. Morata had about three good games with Juventus, and that's it. So, and you look at the game today with, with Sweden, when you have when you have a possession as well as they did and missed all your po good chances because the, your striker can't find the back of the net, and you leave two spots available on your, on your squad and don't take them, then you're going to have problems. And, I, you know, I'm not saying anything, but Morial doesn't, doesn't miss those chances if, he's, if he plays today. I think Morata was taken – you see, Morata's not a good solo striker. He just is not a good solo striker. No, he needs somebody up there with him. You remember when um, – what was it, Diabala? Morata? Yeah. 2016? Yeah. That was fire. That was great. Even <laughs> – this might sound crazy, but do you remember Hernanes? He was a Brazilian center mid. Yeah, I think he used to play for Lazio, but then he went to Juventus. Yeah, he yeah. was playing center forward in that in that tie against Bayern. But when you got someone next to him that is on the same wavelength, Morata can be deadly. The problem is that they rely too much on crosses, and when they send him through, he's got the Torres build, but he's not Fernando Torres. Like Fernando Torres does not need anyone else, at least in his prime. And you know what I mean? Yeah, you're drug buzz. You're you're like Ibrahimovic, like Cristiano Ronaldo, even. At least back in the day, yeah. Morata doesn't—he yeah. doesn't operate well as by isolation, by him by himself. He needs someone beside him for him to be effective. And I'm not saying he's a bad player. That's not true. Yeah, he's not—he's not a, he's not a bad player. He's actually a very good player. But when he's by himself, he's an appalling player. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people—people people make fun of, of Timo Werner for all uh -huh. the chances he's got. If you look at Morata's when when operating by himself, he's—he's he's equally as bad. He misses everything. I mean, and I actually – I think Timo Werner got a bad rap this season. He did have a horrible year, but I just I, – I do think he's capable of scoring goals because I've seen him before. Um, if I was Timo Werner, I'd be okay because I've won the Champions League playing Yeah, who bad. cares? So when you play good, just imagine what's going to happen. Plus, yeah. he's not an old man. He's, what, 24? He's young. And did Leipzig get better without him? Yes, they did. But and I, 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 that's why I always was. I accepted that 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 getting rid of him was the right move for Leipzig. But he's he's a striker. He can he's going to be able to score goals. It's just going to take some time more more time than it would take Lukaku. But we're plus, but I'm, plus we're, Chelsea didn't buy Werner in a win now mentality. Unlike in years past, they bought him with few, like long term plans. Plus. What I like about Werner is he started his career as a left mid, and he somewhat returned and regressed to that for the sake of the team. In the yeah. final, he scuffed. I wouldn't say scuffed. I just say he didn't score. Who doesn't get nervous in the final? You know, unless you're. He had a couple. Him. He had a couple chances that he, he kind of scuffed, but I, I don't think there were terrible chances. They were just unfortunate. Right, but like, if if you had, how do I say this? If Timo Werner cost what Eden Hazard cost. <laughs> 
and had the reputation that he had. I'm speaking from personal experience. I'm borderline projecting at this point because as a Real Madrid fan, Hazard has like not delivered and he's he's not going to get any younger. With Werner, he's going to get more wise. He's going to maybe lose some pace over the years, but in return, he's going to get better at passing, I hope, um, make better decisions. And like there's there's like a asterisk around his, his season, you know? So even with Marta, I think Marta's a little older than him. I think Ross is like 27 or 28. I think he's close to 30 at this point. I think I think he's It's like it's like less forgivable. It's like how many more Rata had his big move to Chelsea. Ironically, you know what? Now that I mention it, they're both the same kind of player. Essentially. <laughs> Chelsea, you know. Um, but I just think people are way too harsh on Werner. If he does another season like this, then okay, say what you want, but you can't label someone a flop after one season. You I don't think so either. Look at Modric. One of the best midfielders in Real Madrid history was a, a flop, supposedly, by Marca after one season. It was a season where they made the semifinals of the Champions League, where they lost the league to the best Barcelona team. Maybe the second best Barcelona team ever. Yeah. And then they, they went to the cup final. Like, if that's a flop season, same with Werner making a Champions League. Winning a Champions League is a flop season, then you know people are being too harsh. Yeah, I'm, I mean, yeah, and I, I don't judge that too much because the mark is basically toilet paper at this point. They always come out with some really stupid stuff. So, uh, yeah, I don't – Chelsea are probably going to try to buy a striker, but but I, I think he'll get better. I, I just have faith uh, that the Werner will get better next season and, and Honestly, so on and so forth. If Chelsea buy another striker, I've been hearing a lot of Erling Holland news. Now, no I way. Think, I don't think so either. But if you're going to go for a striker, Chelsea are probably, realistically speaking, the most serious bidders in the whole world. More than Real Madrid or Barcelona. I know Barcelona need a striker, but they're not exactly flowing with cash. Chelsea just won the Champions League. They are. It kind of bothers me that they are already loaded. And now they, now they win the Champions League. And they can pretty much buy whatever they want. Like if Chelsea I, told Man United, you know what, we also want Sancho. They could buy him for, for no reason. And they could just do it. Yeah, low key. I actually think they're get. I think they're gonna get Hakimi. I just have. A, I have a funny feeling about it because PSG was started conversation and got stalled by the price tag. And I think, I do think Chelsea will be be willing to pay because uh, um, Tuchel hasn't had a transfer window yet, and you have Reese James with Hakimi. It's, it's over. You know what I mean? Again, I think I think City even with that would be the favorites for the title again. But I think Chelsea would make it very interesting um, with that. And Inter need to sell. And Inter have already located a potential replacement that's being linked. Um, so if, in, if they get that deal done and hell sell Hakimi, then they'll need to sell Hakimi anyway. So I don't know. I just have a funny feeling about Hakimi to Chelsea. It's, it's a shame. I mean, if Danielle's, if Danielle's listening, the Inter have to get rid of one of their best players. But... Yeah, but but in fairness to Danielle, she wants Caustic. So if she says if 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 Inter uh, closed the deal on Caustic, she'd be okay with like Hakimi Walk or not Walk, but but selling him. Yeah, like Walk is like Lewandowski leaving for free to buy. Yeah, that was that was a Walk. That's like the most painful thing. (laughs) What I'm saying is, it just it just it would be like a trade off. And again, Hakimi is amazing. At this point, he's not better than Caustic. Kostic had more assists than Hakimi had gold and assists together last season. He's older, 
but his his accuracy on his crosses are unbelievable. We saw what he did last year with with Silva at Frankfurt. Every time he crossed the ball into the box it was a goal, and then they put Lukaku in that situation, and you're just gonna go wild. So the age difference is is questionable, but but for Inter, I mean, obviously, um, what if once once they have a replacement, I think they should sell, and I think Chelsea will be ultimately be the bidders. Hmm. I mean, one last thing on Chelsea before we come back to the Euro talk. Where do they need to strengthen? Because they didn't get Donnarumma. Their goalkeeper, um, goalkeeper Mendy, is 29 already. They're going to need a new replacement soon. Eventually, but I, Mendy's done a great job, though. I, I, oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, like, as young as their team is, I think Mendy's the first position where they're going to have to replace him. Like, in the sense of Werner, Werner is going to be replaced based on performance only, not based on age. Yeah, thing based on fitness. With Mendy, I think performance. It's actually the opposite. He's great in performance, but eventually, with age, that performance will drop. His speed at getting down low is gonna is gonna decrease. Same with how Buffon is not as sharp as he was once. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess you go after a goalkeeper, but I don't think they need someone to come in now and start. So maybe you you try to get a younger keeper. I, I just don't know the, the 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 again. I guess I got, understand why they were interested in Don Ruma because he was free. So I mean, it would just you know just make sense. Uh, so I understand why PSG did it. Um, but for Chelsea, I think a goalkeeper is something they're going to need to buy eventually. They should start thinking of names, but I don't necessarily think they need to buy one this uh, this year because yeah. because Mendy should be the starting goalkeeper for next season. And they just bought him a year ago, so uh, less than a year ago, January, I think. Um, so you look at that situation, obviously an attacker could, could help. Um, I don't know, maybe another midfielder. I, I just, it's just hard to say because they, they are so good. Um, maybe, actually, maybe, maybe like a winger, uh, so someone uh, who can help out with that. I think Havertz is going to have a great season next season. I think he'll, he'll, be, he'll be a shoe-in for, for, for there. Um, I, and again, I don't want to sound like I'm I'm doing this because I'm critical. I think this you they should cash in on Pulisic right now because he's he's coming off a, a stretch late in that season where he has he's had like ten really good performances in the champion in the in his last like twelve games or something like that. He's never gonna he's never gonna be a higher higher level than he is now, and it would be a good opportunity to. To, to, to get an upgrade if possible. Not, not necessarily selling Kulisic, but getting someone else that, that plays a similar position that can give them a little bit more. Um, because Zayic didn't work out, for example, so they need someone like that as well. Speaking of someone who did work out, though, Mason Mount is a player who made me eat my words. He's been fantastic. I love Mason. I don't, you know, I watched the, the Premier League a good amount, and at first I was just like, all right, okay. First of all, who is this kid? I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, because everyone's talking about this kid who's, who's playing for Chelsea, and I saw him a few times. Like, okay, yeah, he's he, he's a good player, but he's nothing special. But then, then he started to become special, and I, I he's probably one of my favorite players in the Premier League. I think he does every. He's he's, you know, people talk about Phil Foden. Phil Foden is, is spectacular. I mean, the, the but the way the way Mount is heading is in the same type of bracket as, as, far, as far as the talent and, and he's been phenomenal and I think he's he assisted a goal he's in a so, 
yeah, he's so good. It's 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 just it's crazy. And and in the in the Croatia game the other day, he played phenomenal in that one too. And I I, I just every time I watch him play, I'm more and more impressed. Yeah, honestly, that England team has, is stacked. They seem to have like an endless fountain of youth. Like they could be World Cup contenders. I just yeah, I do, I do. Go ahead. I think this is the tournament, as we said. It's, it's the dress rehearsal for the World Cup. If England don't win this Euro, don't even worry, because the next World Cup, wow, they're going to be ready. Yeah, I think it's actually beneficial for them to go out early. Again, with Italy, it's also with Italy, because it will, it, will, it will force them into thinking outside the box going forward. If, and again, if they go out of the round of 16, it's going to be the Portugal, Germany, or France. I mean, if you go out to one of those teams, you should not feel bad about yourself. You know what I mean? Um, and things like that. Um, maybe they can let the Czech Republic win their group so they can avoid the big, big boys uh, or something like that. Um, but, um, yeah, I think England should probably – yeah, I don't see them getting past any of those teams. Maybe they can make the quarterfinals. But if they go out early, I think the, 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 the talent is going to, to cook and groom for – for the next World Cup, and I think they'll be more ready then than now. The question you have to ask yourself, would you rather win the Euros or the World Cup? Because oh, no, you're, not, no. you're not winning both of them. So you got to pick. Because I think this is the problem I have with teams that win the Euros. I think they, they get too head, they, they, they get too big-headed about themselves in the next term, and they then they falter. So if you want to win the World Cup, then the best thing to do is to go out, not early, but go out quarterfinals. Because you're just... You're disappointed in, in how things went, but also you know what you need to do now. Same with Italy. I love Italy. I'm cheering for Italy. I think it's better for Italy to go out early because same with the, these two teams are the two teams that I think are have the have the ta- talent wise from it's just going to get better and better and better and better, which is why these the, the Italy actually I don't know how it's going to work, but if both of these teams go out early in this tournament in the round of 16 and quarterfinals. I think it's possible that's the World Cup final. I'm not saying it is, but that's a possibility considering how the, the young talent they have is only going to grow and, and, and get better by, by the, next, the next tournament. And with the disappointment, they'll make smarter decisions as far as team selection and strategy for, for the next World Cup. I'll be honest with you. It reminds me of the Confederations Cup curse. No one's ever won the Confederations Cup and then the World Cup. No one has ever done it. Not Brazil, which we would think they can do anything, but they haven't done it. Spain, humiliating, didn't do it. Never even won the Confederations Cup. Yeah. Germany won the Confederations Cup, but then got knocked out of the group stage as the world champions. So, same with the Euros. That's why when Spain won back-to-back-to-back, people were like, this is the best team in the modern era. And I will that <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, and I as as a non-biased person here that is the best team from from this era and they're different than the, these two young talented teams those teams were put together and there's a reason they won two euros in a world cup and it and they just had everything Italy and England don't have everything which is why they're not going to win both they're going to win one they're going to win one or the other and that quite you need to ask yourself would you rather have it come home in this tournament or get the World Cup? And that's the question that needs to be answered because I don't think both of those are possible. One of those is, uh, so maybe, you know, they, they go out early and then they win the World Cup or 
they win the Euros and don't do well in the World Cup. It's I don't think there's a way for them to win both. I agree. It's like you can't bite off more than you can chew. What that means is like you, to win a Euro and then a World Cup. Number one, you're gonna have a target on your back heading into that tournament. Yep. But number two, it's they're back to back this year, this this time around. 2020, 2021 and 2022. Which makes it even more difficult than it would be regularly. Like, yeah, exactly. You're going to have a predictable play style. That's why I was actually watching ESPN yesterday. And they said France's play style, as a result of the Euro final loss, won them the World Cup. Like you're just saying right now. If you lose the Euros, but you got a stacked team, you can win the World Cup. But if you win the Euros and you got a stacked team, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do well in the World Cup. As Belgium, they, you know, like yeah. Now Belgium is in one too because the golden generation—they're finally got something, and we'll see. We'll see what they do. Brian actually picked them to win it. I, I was, think I, I, I was interested. I think, you know, when I said there was war, I, <laughs> man, like I forgot. I forgot to mention Belgium in, in the previous podcast. I said it was Netherlands. France, and who else did I say was a world class? You said you said you said Belgium, France, and Portugal. Oh, if I did say Belgium, then thank God because sorry, I, sorry, no, sorry, sorry, my bad, my bad. You said you said France, Portugal, and Belgium. Portugal, Belgium. Yeah, I forgot. But like Hazard, what they're doing with Hazard is what Portugal needs to do with Ronaldo, except not Benjamin, of course. But like Hazard is on paper one of the best players in the world, but yeah. in the you know, in the last season he didn't prove that, and so. They took that into consideration and they're just going to bench him now, which is the right thing to do for fitness, for morale, but for the sake of keeping him in and involved. With Ronaldo, it's like he's not the best player in the world. No. I mean, he's a great player. He is a great player. There's no doubt. But he's not that world-class type of level anymore. And And it's not to say say he never was. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is just right now. You're right. If he, from my the criteria I have for world class players, he doesn't meet it at this point. He meant it last year. This year, kind of tapered off because of stuff I said in previous episodes. So I'm not going to go over that again. Um, but that's that's the beautiful thing about Portugal. You have other players who are at that level, who are near that level, who are in the conversation of that level. I mean, the Ronaldo as a decoy or as a number two or three option. You were not losing to anybody. If, if you're third best player, number three best player is Ronaldo. Um, look, you have Andre Silva, who, again, sorry, I don't want to hurt people's feelings, but he had a better season than Ronaldo. Full stop. Uh, that's not debatable. So you have him, you have Bruno Fernandes, who's playing like crazy since he went from the world's worst player to the world's, one of the world's best um, when he went to England. So you have him, you have Bernardo Silva, you have so many different options in this team. You have Jao Felix. Who was, who was going to be in an attacking-minded system in this World Cup, which I'm really excited to see. Um, hopefully, Atletico's coach is going to be watching the tournament as well, just so he, he can see what he can be. Um, but top to bottom, they're loaded. But if Ronaldo's the number two option, then it's going to be hard to beat them at any point. It reminds me of the 2006 World Cup. Zinedine Zidane was the leader. And Thierry Henry was the best player in the world. In my opinion, he was the best player in the world in 2006. I know you had Ronaldinho and and you had Zidane, of course, himself. But Thierry Henry, if you think about it, what what did he lack in that year? Nothing. Unbelievable player. 
But France didn't use him the way Portugal would use Ronaldo. They they gave Henri space and let him breathe and didn't just spam the ball to him. You know that Zinedine Zidane only assisted Henri once in his career? It was that goal against Brazil. The reason it was even possible was because they don't look for each other. They just play and like let it work, you know? With yeah. Portugal, it just seems so forced. It doesn't work for either beneficiary. Like Ronaldo doesn't need that much pressure. He can he can make stuff happen, but like he doesn't need the added pressure as if he doesn't have enough. And yeah, they make they make him the priority, and that shouldn't be the case. It's as a team. Of doing that, like, it hurts yeah. him. It hurts the team. Ronaldo should just be like, I'll take penalties and I'll be in there in the box for crosses, but like don't prioritize me because that's like hiding under the blanket playing hide and seek, you know? Yeah. Like they need to play there. Yeah, they need to play smartly and, and they I think and this is why I'm reluctant to say that Portugal are gonna end up winning the tournament because I just don't think they'll play him like that. And that's that's the fear because if they play him as a decoy, they're they're just gonna win it. That's just the full stop. Uh France could probably beat them but but they're gonna they're gonna at least make the final again if they play that way. The thing is if they don't play that way there's nothing. There's nothing that can be said or predict what's going to happen. But they could go out in the round of 16. They could go out in the quarterfinals. They could lose to a team that's less talented. Because that's the dangerous. They're playing. Um, they're, they're they're running a risk if if they don't play uh, collectively. If they, if they prioritize Ronaldo and put him through and give him the ball in every opportunity, they they could get they could lose to, to not not anybody. But they could lose to Netherlands. They could lose to Germany. They could lose to England. Teams like that. So with with that, that's how you that's how you win with Portugal with him as decoy, not with him as the, the primary. Like Ronaldo in the box, bro. Even though years have passed, he's the he's unbelievable. Still unbelievable. He's like, given the ball in the box. <laughs> I think he has a hundred headed goals. That's like the most ever. I think either either like, is it Rudy Voller, or I don't know, but like some of these strikers, Miroslav Klose, they have more headed goals than Ronaldo, but that's about it. He's pretty – look at Tony. Like, you know what I mean? Like, those are strikers that only score headers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Not, not true, but you know what I mean. With Ronaldo, Rudy, it's like he's got – Rudy Baller, that's pretty accurate, though. Yeah, they've got, like – Ronaldo's got 100 goals on each foot, 100 goals in the head. He can score. He's unbelievable, man. Yeah, as we unbelievable. As we were mentioning before, this this cup win would do great wonders for his legacy, uh, career and accomplishments. In the GOAT debate, I mean, if you haven't made your mind up already, I don't think a cup will decide it. Like, in my opinion, it would it would take something that eclipses Messi's career, and that's you would have, you'd have to win with Venezuela. Pretty much, like Ronaldo. Ronaldo would have to do something that is better than all he already's done, and is something Messi can't do. Which I just think, for the sake of how do how do I put this in comparison? Ronaldo's ex. Exploited, not exploited. He's he's done everything his body can let him do. Yeah, he's done more than we will ever like ever see. I don't think there's going to be an athlete quite like him. He takes no. his body so much. He reminds me of LeBron. Yeah, I was gonna say Ronaldo and LeBron James. Are the, sorry, yeah, Ronaldo and LeBron James are the two most uh, dedicated athletes to their bodies in the world. And you know he's done everything the right way, but he still is a physical specimen and hugely imposing. And that's that's great. It's a gift and a curse. It's a gift because he's the most. He's the, probably the most, not the most complete, but he's the most dangerous goal scorer of all time in my book. Oh, yeah. um, 
And, and so that's, that's, that's the good part of it. The bad part of it is, is having a physical body like that and, and doing what he does to it. Um, it's why he's not going to last as long as somebody uh, who's someone like Messi, who doesn't need to be to, to, to play with a lot of precision and power, where he can play with finesse and, and, uh, and creativity. Uh, Messi, Messi could be a center mid at 40, and he would do a job. Yeah, because his body is not taking the, the, uh, the, uh, the pressure and the um, – there's just not a lot on it. And, and the thing is, Ronaldo's did things the right way He's with all, with all his body and stuff. But at, this, but at the same time, the way, his, the way his body is set up in the position his plays, it's a lot of power and aggression where Messi can just glide through the game. And that's why Messi ultimately will be able to play for longer. Than, than Ronaldo because they're all they're both going to play forever. I, I get that, but Ronaldo's the way that Ronaldo's body works is not going to allow him to withstand power in, in that in that regard. If you know what I mean. And to be honest, it will it will be a heartbreaking moment. I can't believe this day will come when you hear the news: Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> has retired. And then you hear the even worse news, or equally worse news, a year later when Messi retires. Oh, I think uh, I genuinely think they were destiny. They are destiny. They will retire maybe on the same day. I think they should. They should, man. <laughs> they should not. They have to do at like thirty when when Messi's like thirty eight and Ronaldo's like forty two or whatever. They should go to the MLS and play one season. Yeah, together, please. Maybe <laughs> one game. If one, yo, I, I'm saving money. I'm I'm an adult now. I can go see it. If they say I, it's gonna it's gonna be in I'll the middle of kid. the desert, I will go. You know. <laughs> If it's if it's you know just on on a, a soccer pitch in Ruckus Park, I'll go. So it's just like yeah, but what yeah, I might ask you know I might take up a different sport after I retire at this point. Um, but eventually that's going to happen, and I, I just hope it's you know. yeah. But again, with 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 the Euros, I don't think and the Copa America, neither can be their legacies are set. I don't think they can be enhanced in any way, shape, or form more so than they already are. Plus, it's when they say there's no rivalry. I get that there's no animosity, but you can't tell me that Messi doesn't watch and check the internet. <laughs> I mean, and vice versa. It, you know, it is not a rivalry in the sense of um, I don't know John Terry and Wayne Briggs or right. something like that, or um, Mauro Cardi and Maxi Lopez. They genuinely hate each other. Messi and Ronaldo have respect for each other, and they even said that they want to one day sit down and have dinner together, things like that. It, Ronaldo had said that in, in the last uh, in the ceremony last year. When uh, I think Van Dyke won Player of the Year. Yeah, that was that was the one. But with with that, um, that they don't hate each other, but subconsciously they're trying to beat them into you know on, on that scale and and sort of fighting and 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 power, you know, all this stuff. You know, they're they're competitive rivals. They don't hate each other, but there's a competitive drive that drives them. And they may not even know about it. Um, and I know this in experience, not just Messi Ronaldo, not which is just all this is through all walks of football. Um, the, the woman I worked on my book with, there was a rival of hers that was that was in her conference, et cetera. They played a bunch. And when I talked to her about it, she said there was no rivalry between them. But but at, but at the same time I realized, but the when two people are getting the claim, the fame at the same time, they're obviously going to be compared, even if only one person is doing it. 
somebody's comparing them, somebody's saying this, somebody's saying that. So subconsciously, when you're in those practices, whether you're Messi or Ronaldo or two high school rivals or college rivals or whatever, you're doing this, you're putting that extra hours to beat them, even if you don't realize, even if that's not your intent. But you are going, you're doing what you're doing to be the very best and beating the ones that, that's close to you. Yeah. As Larry Bird and Magic Johnson would admit, they would basically stalk each other, be like, what is he doing that I'm not doing? Yeah, and exactly. You don't do that with, with bums. You do that with the best. Because Ronaldo's not worried about Kim Werner. No offense. Ronaldo's worried about Messi. And Messi? Yeah. I have to admit, even if, if the years have flown by, when it comes to the golden boot, he knows Ronaldo will be on that list with Lewandowski as well. Yeah. And it's just different. And I think that uh, he's not even worried about all-time greats, like uh, potentially players like Suarez, players like, uh, you know, Harry Kane, if you want, players like Neymar. Played those, and now those are all – those are some of the most best players in the world, Lukaku. He's fighting the, – the, the whole drive thing comes from Messi and Ronaldo. They're not worried about anybody else. Those are the only two people they're trying to be mm-hmm. because they understand that they're on a level that all the people I just named are all great, all all-time greats, but none of them will ever reach the level of Messi and Ronaldo in the way. So it's, it's, it's always those two. On that stage together, those two for the last 12 years. I mean, it's, you know, it, it, it is just – that's just the way that, – that's the way, just the way it is. Exactly. And we will, we will see a bunch of Holland against Mbappe videos, but – you're not going to see. You're not going to see 46 goals in a La Liga season by Ronaldo, followed by a four-goal haul, Messi, La Liga record-shattering 50 goals in a La Liga season. I'll tell you something. In 2011, Ronaldo broke the record for most goals in the La Liga season by two. He scored 40 goals in 38 games. The next season, Messi decided to one-up him and score 50 goals in 35 games. Maybe a little more than that. But... Yeah. The thing is. Holland and Mbappe, for one, they're going to play in the same league, even if they did. Number two, they'll never be able to capture. And as remember, it's not just about the, 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 all of that. It's about the teams that they played for. <laughs> Mourinho's Roma, uh, sorry, <laughs> Mourinho's Madrid with Ronaldo and Pep's Barca with Messi. Those are two of the most historical teams ever. I mean, so just because of that alone, that sort of, Rivalry between Pep and, and, and Mourinho and Messi and Ronaldo at the same time in the same league where they're fighting for everything. There's no, no, as good as Holland and Mbappe are, um, they'll never have an experience like that, which will ne- this is why they'll never be uh, Messi and Ronaldo. They're, they're like, uh, I, I don't know, they're, they're, like, they're like Messi and Ronaldo light. So the diet version of Messi and Ronaldo. <laughs> It's not, it's not the full thing because it's just an impossible standard to keep up to. But, but Messi, the, the, the Mbappe Holland thing will be a great thing to watch for the next decade. But it's, it's not, it's never going to be Messi or another. And it's, it's not to say that we can't keep an open mind and be surprised. But the level that we've seen, it's like something out of a book. It's like putting Pele and Maradona in the same era. A lot of the time, Pele and Maradona were compared hypothetically. But what if yeah. you saw them both play against each other every single season? And yeah. They, they put, it's not like there was one year where Messi was good and Ronaldo was good the other year. They were the same, if not 
one better, maybe one better. Like, it would have been poetic if they both had the same amount of Ballon d'Ors, but that's just how the, the cookie crumbles, you know? And the rivalry lasted, wow. When Ronaldo said 15 years, I believe him. I used to I used to think that it wasn't that much of a rivalry in the early 2010s. Like, yeah. But Ronaldo came to Real Madrid for one reason. Only to take Messi on Exactly. To take him on head-to-head. Because when Ronaldo was in England, he knew when Messi won the Champions League in his face in Roma, in that stadium, Olympico, Stadio Olimpico, yep. he could win every trophy in England. But if he didn't win the Champions League, he wasn't going to win the Ballon d'Or. So, yeah, and and I, they, at that point, they weren't rivals yet. It was just the two best players in the world. When he went to Madrid, they became rivals, which is I why agree. Mbappe and Holland are not rivals because they don't play in the same league yet. When that happens, they'll become rivals. But until then, those, those are the two best players of that position in the world, whatever. Because the second he went to Madrid, it became a rivalry. It was real. They have too much ambition to join the same team. A lot of Madrid fans think they're going to go to the same team. I don't want that to happen, even as a Madrid fan. I would take either or. Who wouldn't, you know? But to have them both, it's like, I would. I don't think Messi would have been as good, nor Ronaldo would have flourished as much if they both played in the same team. And they, they, would not, they wouldn't have been, so, uh, there's one more thing on that. They also wouldn't have flourished without each other. Right. Yeah, like if, if, if you remove Ronaldo, Messi is probably the greatest. But the or something like that, but but he would not have been as good because right. he, had one, he had someone right behind him trying to take him off. Imagine you're imagine you're running from a bear, right? And then the bear disappears. You know, you're not going to run as much. But no. if the if you look behind you and the bear is getting faster, you're going to run faster. You know, or else. You know, same with Messi. It's like Ronaldo wasn't scoring. 40, 40, 40, 40, 40. He was scoring 40, 45, 50, 60. At one point, 69 goals in one year. So what did Messi have to do? He's got to score 91. And you would think he's got Ronaldo out of his rearview mirror. But there were years where Ronaldo won the Ballon d'Or in his face. And he beat the teams Messi couldn't beat. Now, there's a lot of hidden details here. Like, Ronaldo doesn't win games on his own. Nor does Messi, really. You know, like, it's about a team effort. But individually, it was as much of a like professional rivalry as it gets. You know how like in boxing they'll they'll just like the personal lives, they'll they'll involve family and they'll get personal. Yeah. With Messi and Ronaldo, when on earth did Messi say Ronaldo, you're you're this, you're that? No, at, they barely talk about each other in 15 years. You know, and it, when they did talk about each other, it was like sweetest, most charismatic yeah have you have you seen ronaldo's um the movie the ronaldo they did on ronaldo the yeah, documentary where, Messi. where messi's at the ball and bear ceremony and he's his like his like kid is 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 like in all of them and, and um it's a very sweet moment where like they go up to each other where messi greets um uh you know ronaldo jr his, his son and and they're in the same room together and there's just there's there's like there's like compassion for one another in the room. There's not like oh this that or the other thing. They're like honestly in, in football there's no, there's rivalries from a competitive standpoint and there are rivals, there are people who don't like each other. But there's not there's not players like Messi and Ronaldo who don't like each other. At least not not in the not in the recent times. They they like each other. There's a saying you can't hate someone that you can't love. 
what that means is Ronaldo, in a competitive sense, I guess he doesn't hate Messi because he's still on his trophies, you know. But in a personal level, he does not. And at the same time, as much as Ronaldo may be frustrated by Messi, he's equally inspired. Like, he needs Messi as much as he doesn't need him. You know, like, part of him is like, I'd have 10, 10 Ballon d'Ors without you. But the other part of him is like, I would have no fun. You know, like the Joker and Batman. It's just the, the best rivalry ever. Yeah, and I, I'm sure... The- I would like some animosity rivalries between players because I think it'd be fun, but at the top level, you don't see that. Loki, I want I want Western McKinney and Christian Boozers to be heated rivals because I think that would be so funny and intriguing, um, like calling each other out in press conferences and and, and after games and stuff. Um, but that's just my this is my own little fantasy. Um, but you know, usually in, in football, there are definitely definitely players who hate each other. Don't get me wrong. But there, you don't really see players who hate each other that are at the top of the mountain together, you know. And I think I think it's actually it's nice that they don't, and I think it, it's better for the sport that they don't, because you know they have respect for one another. Exactly. The, and, and the respect, I, the respect is shown. It's it's shown, man. Like I remember a classical where Messi scored the 90th minute winner against Madrid in the Bernabeu, and he he pulled off his shirt. Yeah, the hang line, the hang line uh, yeah. shot, right? Right. Before the game, Messi and Ronaldo, they they shake hands. And Messi was shocked. He was like, wow, Ronaldo, like, you know, he's, Ronaldo's at the top of the world. Yes, Messi scores the winner. Messi wins the game. But guess what? Ronaldo wins the Liga. Ronaldo wins the Champions League. In a way, it's like, despite the good and sometimes bad, they both acknowledge that even on their good or bad days, they're still the best ever. Yeah. We're not talking the best. We're not talking about like good players. We're talking about potentially one of them is in my opinion, the best ever. And then the other one is like right there. It's like one's the greatest ever. And I think subconsciously they both understand this. I think Ronaldo deep down knows that Messi is the goat. I think he knows he'll never say it. He'll never admit it. But I think deep down, he knows that's the case. And I think deep down Messi knows that Ronaldo is the greatest scorer ever. Facts. I think never he'll never say it out loud, but they I, know I that from one another. I think Ronaldo, despite how inefficient he can be, is the best goal scorer of all time. If Messi was dedicated to only goal scoring, he would probably be the best goal scorer of all time. But that's hypothetical. Ronaldo yeah. is not hypothetical. Ronaldo is the truth. He's a fact. He is the highest goal scorer of all time. Yeah, and I, I and I say he's the most gifted. And I'm sure there's there's strikers out there historically that are more complete in terms of multiple things. But as far as just putting people on the back of the net regularly from anywhere, that is Ronaldo. And and I think Messi understands that he's a better like Ronaldo's not the better player, but he's no. certainly the better goal scorer. Yeah, and true. even even though there there's been many years where Messi scores more, that's not what I'm saying here. Having the most goals does not make you the better scorer. Goal scorer, it's all of it together. So I think Messi knows that Ronaldo is the greatest goal scorer ever, and I think Ronaldo knows Messi's the greatest player ever. So never admit it because there's never a situation where that will be admitted unless they're at dinner together behind closed doors, and we don't know what's happening with the conversation. I don't even think it matters, like what they say or what they think. It's what they show. Yeah, I don't think it is. And, and, they, and they've shown nothing but respect for one another. When you come to think about it, 
you shouldn't hate them. You shouldn't hate either of them. You can have a preference of one over the other, mm-hmm. but you should love them both. Ronaldo's never said anything disgusting. I, I, don't, I don't think he ever has, nor has Messi. Messi has been pissed off at the Conmebol, and Ronaldo's been very pissed off at UEFA and La Liga. But Ronaldo's never said, like, anything ad hominem, which means, like, personal attack on someone. Behind closed door, who knows, but in, to someone's face, you, you, it takes severe hatred to say something like that to someone's face. And when it comes to Ronaldo, I, I've seen so many classicos. He's never fouled Messi. Maybe once or twice, but like, that's just the cameras. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to foul someone, like, and it's Messi and Ronaldo, of course they're going to pick up, you know? Yeah, but when, when they fouled each other in the past, and I've, I've seen it before. The <laughs> second after it happens, like, they, the, the hand comes out. And they, they reach out to, to help them up. Exactly. Like, there's never been one malicious, dangerous, or exotic tackle made on each other. Every time they've been styled each other, there has always been, uh, you know, uh, you know, g- giving a hand or, or touching touching their head, the head, the head, stuff like that. Um, this is sportsman, true sportsmanship. Overall. It's actually, I've seen this comment many times, and it makes me laugh. It's about Ronaldinho. The comment goes, I hate Ronaldinho. I watch him, and now everyone else looks average. <laughs> That's great. That's the same with Messi, same with Ronaldo. It's the funniest comment ever. And, God, like, we could talk about these guys all, all day. One of them is in the Copa America. And the other yep. one's in the Euros. And hey, who's to say that they can't win? You know what would be really nice? If they both win a trophy, they'll be playing in the Confederations Cup next year. No, wait. Oh. Something like that. I, I think the Confederations oh. Cup might be actually the year after the World Cup. But regardless, okay. like R- Messi versus Ronaldo on the international level with something at stake, it would be unbelievable. Ronaldo's the best international goal scorer ever. More than Pele, more than R9, more than anyone. And if you take unofficial games out, if you want to just include the Euros. Yeah, we, we don't count the, 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 the 880 goals that Pele scored in his backyard. Right, right. Like, when people tell me, oh, Ronaldo scored this many goals against Andorra, Latvia, this and that. They've taken those goals out. He's still clear of Messi by, like, 15. Yeah. World Cup goals? Doesn't Ronaldo have more than Messi? I think so. I, I think it's very close, though. Neither of them have really lit up a World Cup. No, Messi never. lit. Messi kind of lit up uh, fourteen, and Ronaldo was pretty good in in, in eighteen. Uh, I mean, yeah, eighteen. Uh, like but a, um, a deep, deep, a deep playoff run. I say that like an NBA fan. I don't know how to say it. Like a deep World Cup. Yeah, run. yeah, yeah. Never. yeah. yeah. What, yes, and, and, right, but yeah, it's, of course. But if you see the, the the team that Leo Messi took to the final, like on the like on the starting eleven, it's it's, it's dreadful. And you look at the team that won Euros with Ronaldo, it's it's not very good either. Um, it's funny. And, and you can talk about Andorra and, and Estonia. And but I, I do want to say, those players played their heart out. Rick Patricio hey. looked like Casillas in that final. Yeah. Genuinely made me think, like, without him, this game would have been a 4-0 drubbing. would have been the biggest bloodbath in Euro final history. All right. If they went to penalties, like what more could have he have done? Like, yes, Ronaldo gets the credit, but my like that actually was 
a question I was going to ask you. I don't know if he's the goalkeeper for Portugal, but even if he is, is he going to be at the same level? Do you think? Do you think Portugal are going to have that kind of luck again? With um, with uh, what's it, Arub, Rui, Pat, yeah, yeah. Um, I certainly hope so because according to the to the papers, Roma are closing in on a on a on a, a deal for him. So I hope he's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, I think he's the thing is about him is is yes, he he doesn't play for Man City or or Spurs or Arsenal or any of the big. He plays for for Wolves. Uh, and if you look at his stats at, at, in the Premier League, they're phenomenal. For, for, for a goalkeeper playing at a, at a mid-table team, and he he's doesn't seem to be getting any worse. Is his consistent performances are still pretty pretty consistent? I think if you look at he's going to be 34 soon, but he has another three years of, of extreme productivity. Um, so I, I think as far as I think he'll he's good enough to, to, to he look Portugal isn't going to lose out because of goalkeeping play. Because I expect it to be great goalkeeping play from Portugal, uh, you know, and things like that. And and you just look at um, at all of this, and and th- these are the goals that matter. Not to say that, I, like, I don't sneeze at Andorra and and the teams that Ronaldo and Messi have scored against. Um, I mean, it's hard. I mean, neither Messi or Ronaldo have scored against Romania, so I understand that it's very difficult. Uh, <laughs> I'm kind of joking, but actually, that's actually true. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but you know, games like this and stages like this, the Euros, the Copa America are huge. Uh, I don't know what the word is. To, 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 uh, to set the pace, basically, for the rest of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And I think Ronaldo, you know, as a team, Portugal is very – it's deep. you got a lot of different options. And I, I think, again, it's, it's about play style for them to win it uh, for, for them. And I'd love to see Portugal win it and Argentina win it. Um, but after seeing Brazil uh, yesterday, I just don't think there's a way Argentina win it. No, and Neymar was was out of this world yesterday. He was doing every little thing in the book. He had an assist on the third goal that just was it just it just looked like it, it came from outer space. Um, so that's another awesome thing though with with the Copa America. Neymar was not involved in the last one, and. I mean, as as long as they and show they up, it. they won it without him. I can't. Yeah, believe it. he's they're, he's get, but but they they're gonna win it this year with him in it, and that will do a lot for Neymar's legacy too. So there's a lot at stake for all this, and there's obviously there's a lot at stake in the Euros too with Belgium, for example. They can't they can't have a bad tournament um, after you know selling themselves short so many different times during the golden generation. The Netherlands have a lot of pressure, not because they're expected to do great, but the thing is. The Netherlands are one of the biggest clubs in the history of football. You when you, yeah, you nations, nations. yeah, Haitians, hey, hey, right? Yeah, yeah. When when you when that when you see that 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 little logo on on and the orange uh, uh, color on your jersey, when you put those on, you're expected to go on runs. You're expected to contend, and so there's a lot at stake for with Holland and stuff too. Um, and they're they're another team that's up and coming that often people are thinking about. And this, again, I, I agree with you. They're, they're one of the best teams this tournament. In the first half of the Ukraine game, they looked like the best team in the world. So they have all the, the, the tools, but there's a lot of pressure on them as well. Then you look at England with Southgate. If, if they come up short and they play poorly in the round of 16, I mean, I think for, for England are going to do well too. So, but there's a lot of stake in, on so many different uh, components of this tournament. 
And eventually, I mean, we're going to have answers to those questions, but there's just a lot to, to, to consume over the next month. For sure, brother. And I can't wait to see it unfold. I don't think Spain will do anything, but hey, those days are long gone. <laughs> Indeed. There's always... Bro, it's been real quick, real, real quick, real mm -hmm. quick. Um, oh, I just want to give my my condolences, not my condolences, my my thoughts and my and my uh, you know to Christian Erickson and his family. What happened oh, yeah. um, this this week? Um, I I wrote a 13 minute article on this. I've I talked about this as much as I possibly can, which is why I didn't want to talk about it today. But I just wanted to um, to, to to express that and and um, and so on and so forth. And I, I'm 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 incredibly thankful. For the amount of people that uh, that read my article and gave me positive feedback and stuff is very difficult to do, um, but you know it's such a scary situation and I hope I hope he can play again. I think he should pace himself before he he truly gets back on that horse and I hope I hope this is not the last time we saw him because you know when Christian Eriksen is playing well he is a really special player. And, and even uh, if he wasn't a good player, even if he wasn't a world-class footballer, every life is important on that football field. Yeah, and, and furthermore, I'm, I, I don't like to drag in others. I don't like to call out people. But I was actually really disappointed in, um, in the American debate shows uh, this, uh, this week because I watched them for one reason to, uh, today, to see if they would mention him at all. And neither of them did. And I, I, I actually kind of felt like it was heartless. Like because he's not an American athlete, that it was not worth the conversation. Um, Pat McAfee did, who does a uh, internet, uh, not internet. He, his shows on YouTube, but his uh, he's a big media uh, media guy for NFL football stuff. Like he talked about it and was tweeting about it and stuff like that with the others. Um, no I don't know. Colin Coward, no. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin Coward, I I think I don't know if he talked about it. He's a football soccer guy, so maybe he was told not to or. I, I don't know. I was disappointed that he didn't do it. Um, but the one that gets me is, you know, Christian Erickson has almost died. He's in the hospital trying to recover from a tragic event. And Skip Bayless is tweeting about yelling at the Clippers because they didn't do something. And I, I, I respect all those guys who do those jobs. They're very difficult. And I understand that it's not an Amer Christian Erickson is not an American athlete. It's not an American sport. But it just rubbed me the wrong way how it was – the lack of attention that it was getting, because there's no way in there's no way on earth that they didn't know that this happened. This is this, everybody in the world knows this has happened. So I just thought that that given the circumstances, um, they should have talked about. It. And actually, I don't really get offended by a lot of things. I was like, I was beside myself. If this was uh, Kawhi Leonard, and, yeah, and I was thinking to myself, what 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 needs to happen? Does he need to pass away for you to talk? To, 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 and I'm not, again, I'm not asking for them to talk about him a lot just spent two, three minutes talking about the situation, what happened, and your thoughts on it. That's it. Then you can talk about how, uh, you know, LeBron is this or Kawhi is that. And, if, again, like you said, if Kawhi was – if this was Kawhi Leonard, this would have been, a, 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 you know, yeah, something that you was – You know, it's funny. You're absolutely right. If this was Kawhi Leonard in Europe, where they don't even watch basketball as much as in the United States, right, they would have talked about it. Not for the sake of Kawhi Leonard being a superstar, which he is, but because it's a human being. Like – Christian Erickson could have – does he breathe different air to us? No, like, at the end of the day, it could have happened to anyone. He Joe almost Pulisic, died. His, his heart stopped. Yeah. If Pulisic – if it happened to Pulisic, <clears throat> God forbid, he's my favorite American player, but – or Weston. Like, American, basically, if, if they felt an American 
need to, to, to cover it, which shouldn't be the case. It should be a human need, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, again, I have respect for the shows they do, and I know they're really difficult and all this stuff, and they have to, they have to consume multiple sports all the time, and I, and I totally respect that they have, they have a three-hour show. There's a lot of things to cover, but just, to, just I, I just, and I'll probably continue to watch them at least I don't watch first take anymore because of what Stephen A. Smith said about Slothon, but I may, I'm probably not going to watch it for a while just because I, I think it was, it was a hugely incentive. It was hugely insensitive to, 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 to not even discuss it at, at, at any level because that's a human being. If this was anybody else, it would have been talked about. And I think um, if they're, when you're in a media and obviously you're, you now are in the media in a very real way. Mm-hmm. You always have to talk, even if it's not your, your normal thing. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's your duty as an, a journalist, as a, as a TV reporter, as a uh, pundit, as a, a debater, mm-hmm. to at least mention that this has happened. And uh, I don't know. I, just, I didn't mean to go on this tangent, but I just, I just oh, felt you, the need to express that. You brought up something that I didn't even think about, which is just like biased media coverage. They didn't even bother... Yeah, I tried to tweet at Shannon Sharp, but he didn't get back to me. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't engage in that. I just was wondering why they didn't, why they didn't um, talk about it. And I said because that would be really heartless. Because I just think that's what it is. It, it's a human. At the end of the day, it's a human being. When stuff happens that's not related to sports to somebody, we it's always talked about when it, you know when it's nothing to do with sports. This is an athlete who was in a a, a tournament that is at this point. Outside the World Cup, I think is the second highest up uh, in terms of audience, who almost died on the pitch. I mean, that's that's worth at least two minutes of, of your time. And I, I don't know, it just rubbed me the wrong way, and I just I just I just I just didn't really appreciate it. I will say though, when it comes to media, sometimes well, in in the Colin Coward show, show or Stephen A. or First Day, they choose what they want. That's this BS if they say that they couldn't cover it for some legal restriction. No, hundred percent. They have meetings Smaller. before. They have Smaller. the meetings b- before it that they, they discuss what's going to be discussed. They can put anything in. Anything. Uh, they could. They, they could discuss non-sports things. You know, as long as of course it's somewhat relevant. But yeah. like, smaller outlets can't always do that. Like local news, obviously, won't be able to cover Christian Eriksen. But like, do you understand? Like, if. All, even if it was somewhat ingenuine, just like do it, you know, because when you don't do it, it comes across as like you don't care. Yeah, which is why I, I don't think they don't care. I just think that they didn't show enough. Like, yeah. One, one phrase I've learned is it's not what you do. It's about what you don't do. Yeah. They didn't do. 100%. And, and that's why, you know, again, I don't mean to be disrespectful towards them. It just I thought it was hugely offensive. Which is why it's so much. I've, I've, I love Pat McAfee. Who's, he's an NFL guy, so I know you don't probably. You're not a big NFL guy, but but he he is somebody who's who always he talks about the Super League, like when we were when it was going on. He talks about stuff that's not re- always related to the NFL and, and things like that. So what, not only was he was tweeting about it, he was he was freaking out because he was watching it and, and he saw what happened. And then today I saw him. He posted a. Um, a clip of the of his show on uh, on Twitter of, of of him talking about it. The video is only about three minutes long, but at least he had the had the you know the conscience to talk about something that that I'm that not all that maybe 
a lot of people are probably waiting to, to hear from all of the media about it. And again, I can't control what they control. I'm not saying they're bad people, but they're, 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 they behave heartlessly, if that makes sense, because they didn't even acknowledge that it happened. And that's, that's the issue I have. There's no rules about what you can talk because Skip Bayless mainly controls what goes on Undisputed. Colin mainly controls what's on his show. Stephen A controls what goes on first day. If you wanted to talk about it, you would have. And I think it was, again, no judgment here, but it was just it was just something I felt I needed to get off the chest, especially considering um, what happened there. And, and I hope I hope he can get back on the pitch soon and and, and show us, you know, that, you know, he, he, he survived death, I guess. Yeah. Alrighty, brother. I'm going to make a little post about our podcast just to like promote it a little bit. But That'd be great. As always, guys, it's been a pleasure reaching out to y'all. And uh oh, the y'all is sticking. I've been living in Texas for the past month. So. <laughs> That's all right. You know, but, but by, but, by next month, you're going to have a, like a, a Dallas accent. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> yeah. No, this, this has been good, though. It's, it's been too long. It's been fun, yeah. No, no, of course, of course, and and it's gotta re, it's gotta get back up to speed, you know. Yeah, when, you know, I'm again. I also want to say I'm super excited about your new job. So proud of you, man. You've worked really hard, and whenever you, you have time, whenever you have time to do the podcast, or if, you, if we can get back on a schedule, just let me know. But you know, just I understand that you you have a schedule, and uh, and uh, you know, you're you're trying to be the new guy in the in the in the yeah. New- I'm, I'm I'm the baby. I'm I'm like. <laughs> I know nothing. I do nothing. Well, not that I do nothing. I'm not important yet. They make me do stuff on puppies and like balloons and blueberries. <laughs> I want to do stuff like hard news, but they're like, you're not ready yet. And I believe them because they have been in this industry for 40, 50. There's a dude in the newsroom. He's like 70. And he started when he was 18. Like he started when you could, which was 18. That's 52 years of experience. What is what can I tell this man that he doesn't already know? You know? Well, probably about Real Madrid. Yeah, probably. probably. I'll be like, Neil, uh, have you ever heard of Real Madrid? Puska? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, well, you know, whenever you can, if you want to get back on track, whenever it's it's most convenient for you, um, as well. And and I know you have a good team around you, and you know, if, if you can't do it for a few weeks, all good here. I know you got a new new thing, new gig, and um, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Always, brother. As always, guys, it's been a pleasure. As always, this is the Football Packs Podcast with Elliot signing off.